welcome to the Imago Day podcast, brought to you by Redefined Table, in partnership with Project 214. We are a different type of dialogue, an authentic talk collaboration. So, join us at the table. We saved you a seat. Welcome back, friends. It's season two of the Imago Day podcast. We're excited that you joined us here today. I am joined by my host, co-host, Jay, and we have one of our favorite friends. Uh, this is Joel Gonzalez. He's my pastor. He's also a storyteller, the creator, founder of We Are Story. Joel, would you share just a bit about you? First of all, thank you for having me here, uh, Monica and Jay. And if I understand correctly, this is one year anniversary of the Imago Day. It is. Um, it so is. it's really it's special. Uh, it's very special to be here with you all on this day. You know, as far as me, I'll keep it short and simple. You know, my uh, my role in life is to be a storyteller. I tell stories of culture. I try to do it objectively and I try to do it in a way that's truthful as well. But I'm, I'm also a, a spiritual leader. I, I serve as a pastor. I'm within a small micro church, um, which puts me in a platform to be able to speak into culture and be able to address the issues going on and try to uh, try to offer an objective yet biblical, truthful perspective on uh, on ultimate reality. So it's a little bit about who I am. I, I guess we'll talk more about me as we go throughout this podcast. Absolutely, wonderful. Thank you so much for agreeing to join us. We're excited because. First and foremost, uh, we're, we're back together. As we know, at this point, um, we are living in the days of a pandemic. And uh, it's, been, it's been interesting life on, on, on this side of heaven as we circumnavigate through our new normals. And so not only are we living through these days, but we're inching closer and closer to um, Election Day, which is a very important day for us and and we brought on Joel to to join us because we want to just kind of highlight the importance of uh, this time the season that we're in uh, the response and the, the the call and pull of the church and how we you know um, circumnavigate through these very uh, trying times and if I'm if I'm honest it's been very it's been very sketchy it's been very divided and um by no means are we experts, but we do have a love and a passion for the church, and we have a love and passion for Christ. And so we just kind of want to talk about what our roles and how we can be proactive in this season. So in a simple format, like how would you respond to the question, what is the role of the church in our times now moving into Election Day? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. You know, and as you mentioned, we are living in times never before seen um, uh, with, with what, you know, even the start of 2020, you know, with, with something as uh, as shocking as the death of Kobe Bryant, yeah. you know, which really, uh, he was a cultural icon, uh, came as a surprise. But after that, we see COVID-19 enter into a world which to much degree makes us seem like we're living in a movie or some type of book that, that we've read. Um, and then we go into the cultural tensions that we've been experiencing um, as a society and um, all of the things that we've, that, that we've been dealing with culturally, and to top it off, as if that wasn't enough, mm-hmm. we have a very uh, divisive presidential election coming up, um, one that um, in my lifetime, I've never seen um, an election cause so much divide uh, between, between family, between friends, and between even the church, you yes. know, where we're all so divided 
um, into, uh, in, into politics. Politics has indeed divided us. You know, and, and the role of the church, you know, the establishment of the church um, from its inception uh, was to be, uh, Jesus said to, that we are to be like a city on a hill, uh, you know, a city on top of a hill or a light to the world um, that can serve as a reference point, a reference point on how it is that um, God would want us to function in this world. Jesus was very clear in stating that um, though we're not of this world, we do live in it. Um, so we have a responsibility to not necessarily uh, adopt what the world does, but adapt to the times that we that we live in. Um, so our role is to be a voice. Our mm-hmm. role is to, as much as possible, uh, be that prophetic voice that speaks to the culture on uh, what is righteousness, what is goodness, and uh, how to establish the kingdom of God here on earth. And times change. Hebrews tells us that times change, but God never changes. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the role of the church is to adapt to the times while not adopting it. Adapting to the times, understanding that although times do change, we, we serve a God that doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have to know how to be adaptable um, to uh, the issues that we face as a people, as humans, and be that prophetic voice of, of God uh, to the culture and speak speak up for those who are voiceless and mm-hmm. ensure that we have uh, that that we are properly disseminating uh, what the good news of Christ is um, here and now um, on earth. Jesus said, "Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." So we have a responsibility to bring a little bit of heaven here to earth, uh, despite the times that we're facing. Um, so it's being a light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Jay. Um, so as a person, a millennial, mm-hmm. and someone who's grown up in the church most of my life, um, I've seen three elections go by, and something that I always see is that people are so proud to say that they're Republican. Like, if it was, like, something a Christian should be or a title that we're supposed to have, my question is, like, do you think the church should be, like, gravitate to just one party because it's what Jesus would do essentially like what would you say to those who are just saying they're Republican just because they think that it's the Christian thing to do Mm, what are the three what are the elections you've lived (laughs) (laughs) I've uh, seen Bush (laughs) I've seen Obama and now we're going to well President Trump you've seen him Mm -hmm. (laughs) so you were you've seen the the election of Al Gore and and George Bush, or was it even Clinton? And I, I wasn't really involved. Okay. <laughs> so you know, I was like two. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Okay. I got involved towards the Obama. What right, happened was right. yeah, that was a good one to get involved. But yeah. I was always like looked at as the outsider because I was somebody who was like, but I love Obama. I don't know how to explain it, but yeah. it was yeah. just like a title, like. If you're not Republican, shun the non-believer. That's a good question uh, because it does seem like uh, evangelical community, specifically um, not to uh, categorize it into race, but specifically the white evangelicals um, have really uh, associated themselves with the Republican Party. And there is a history uh, to that as to why most evangelicals um, tend to vote Republican, white evangelicals tend to vote Republican. Um, even more so, like our last, last presidential election of 2016, um, a record 81% of evangelicals voted Republican, voted for, for mm-hmm. President Trump. 
um, which is astronomical. So evangelicals uh, played a major role in having Trump you know, be in office today. So there's a history with the Republican Party associating itself uh, Christians or evangelical Christians associating themselves with the Republican Party. You know, in 1980, we see Jerry Falwell Sr., the late Jerry Falwell Sr., who was the president of Liberty University. Um, he started a group, the Moral Majority. And interestingly enough, the Moral Majority was begun to try to get Ronald Reagan into office over Jimmy Carter. And what makes that interesting is that <clears throat> Ronald Reagan was a president who barely went to what we would call church, uh, nor did he confess to be religious in any sense. Uh, versus uh, Jimmy Carter, who was an evangelical. He was a Christian. He still taught Sunday school at his church every Sunday. Even as president, he stayed engaged within the church. But yet, uh, evangelicals gravitated towards the moral majority uh, and voted Reagan into office. And there's a lot of, um, perhaps we don't need to get into it today, but a lot of, uh, I guess we can say a lot of favors that the Republican Party does for the evangelical community. You know, when we think of uh, the church being tax exempt, that's definitely uh, funded by the government, and it, there is um, an inclination to want to gravitate towards those who further the cause of Christianity, so to speak. Um, but I believe my personal uh, my personal belief and my personal opinion is that we run a great danger when we associate ourselves specifically with a political party. Uh, because as much as we associate ourselves with a party, we stop doing the thinking and the party does the thinking for us. So regardless of who's running as a Republican, if we're pledging allegiance to the Republican Party, regardless of who it is, because we've associated ourselves so much with that uh, party, we stop looking at the person and we start voting the party. And therefore, we become blind to some of the flaws that may be uh, that may cause some some danger for us as what we all are Americans because we've married ourselves to a political party. Uh, In my sense, I don't, uh, I'm not, uh, I don't associate myself with Republican, nor do I associate myself with uh, Democrats. Mm -hmm. Um, I vote person, you know, when when I go vote, I don't go vote seeing who the Republican candidate is or who the Democratic candidate is, you know, because growing up, you say you, you grew up in your childhood, it was evangelicals for Republicans, so we tended to vote Republican. Um, in my household, we, we tend to believe, when I was younger, the belief was that the Democrats uh, were for the minorities. So we always voted Democrat, regardless of, uh, of who it was that was mm-hmm. running. We knew we wanted to vote Democrat because the belief was that Democrats uh, help the minority, Republicans help the rich people, which we weren't, you know, when we were younger. So my advice would be is to, to be very cautious at, uh, to associate yourself with a political party, mm-hmm. um, because we were not called to be Republicans, nor are we called to be Democrats. Um, we were created to be humans, and in the process, as we follow Jesus, uh, the label of Christians was placed upon us, which we adhere to that. Uh, but political parties, wh- what I've learned is that they, they divide. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we should be looking at, and, and I'll talk a little bit more on, on certain uh, certain steps that we should take when voting, you know, mm-hmm. when voting for people into office. But so my advice is don't associate yourself with a political party, okay. you know, because Republicans, uh, I, we know of a lot of Republicans who don't exhibit the character of Christ, just as we know a lot of Democrats who truly do and vice versa. Um, yes, yeah, so that's my thought on that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. You know, um, as we already discussed, like we are living in very divided times and, and, and the 
pres- presidential election being won because so much information, we're downloading so much information at a rapid rapid speed because there is an influx of information you know based on whatever it is that we google or whatever it is that we like or whatever it is that whomever it is that we're following on our social sites the the that's going to lean towards that one view rather than um leaving space for us to to really really get to know you know the different uh, political parties and and to understand both sides it's it's been such a tug of war and it's been really pretty like scary to see how there have been friendships there have been families that have been completely divided by this important election, t- election important time in our what can you explain to us why it's important to vote and let me give you uh, let me give you an example there's many young people and even you know, older people, older saints, my age, whatever the case, that believe that, you know, my vote doesn't really matter. Okay. Like it, it, and it's almost like it's rigged, right? Like they believe there's this strong belief that it's already rigged and, you know, like only certain states and only certain thing, you know, only that counts, only that matters. But why is it important for us to vote? And the reason why I'm asking is this is because if for a person who is really clueless, goes to the goes to the poll and their 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 thought process is you know what I don't know who to vote for so I'm just not going to vote for anybody mm-hmm. or when we're going to vote for our president this election run right it's not just the president we're going to be voting for we have a lot more other officials that we need to be voting for and who knows everything about every person that we're going to vote for so when I was growing up my dad it was like when when I started voting I was like well who do I vote for and my dad is like listen we're gonna vote for this this and this and if you don't know anything else vote for the Latino <laughs> that's what he said that's what he said just vote for the Latino and um we laugh about it but honestly I didn't know all the judges I didn't know I didn't know all these different titles and what they were going to be doing and enough about them and there's like a lot when you're I actually voting. did that the first time I voted I voted for all, all the Latinos, Latinos. yes all and the it's all Latinos and then all the women that's that, <laughs> that's how I voted um but I'm older, I'm wiser, and I know that this is important. It's not just important on who we're. It's not just important to know who we're voting as president, but it is important to know mm-hmm. who we're voting into office. Um, do they um, do they line up with the beliefs that we have? So, um, why is it important to vote? And how can we speak to the to the person that's like, you know, I, my vote doesn't really matter, and I just don't know who to vote for. So, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Very good question. Um, I, I want to touch on two things that, that you mentioned because there are different branches to the government, you know, mm-hmm. and so we uh, we make the presidential election uh, the big deal, which in to much degree it is. Sure. Um, but there's other um, th- there's other branches to the government that we really will have to pay attention to. We have a legislative branch, we have an executive branch, and we have a, a judicial branch. Um, and for the most part, I don't want to say that one is more important than the, than the other. Our founding fathers framed it pretty good that all the, they, they would. Uh, perform what's called checks and balances on one another, and that's the way it's supposed to be, hold each other accountable, and and so on and so forth. Uh, But when we think about the three branches of government, it's the legislative branch that we really should be paying attention to, Mm -hmm. because the legislative branch is the one that makes the laws uh, of the land. 
Um, and so it, it's good to be informed on who is running uh, for the legislative branch, which consists of Congress and the Senate. Sure. Um, and, you know, Congress and Senate in and of itself also check and balance one another. Um, so doing our research on because it's a given. We know who's running for president. It's yeah. just two people who are running for, pre for president. But when it comes to the legislative branch, we have several other individuals who are running for that. In fact, I think a good start for many of us is understanding and knowing who is our congressman. Sure. Like who is a congressman of our district that we live in? Because to much degree, our congressmen, they are our voice in Washington. They're the ones who speak up for us. So we should develop a good relationship with uh, our, our Congress person and the legislative branch, because it is the legislative branch that uh, decides the, the laws, uh, or I'm sorry, that, that creates the laws. Um, the executive branch, their role, the president, his cabinet, and uh, many federal agencies, their role is to enforce the laws uh, that the legislative branch uh, creates. Now, that's not to say that the, that the uh, executive branch, the president, doesn't influence the legislative branch because the, he does or she does if we ever have a woman president, which I believe we will, um, but the executive branch just enforces it. And it's the judicial branch that we also want to pay attention to because once they're appointed, they're appointed for life. It's the judicial branch that decides whether mm -hmm. a law remains constitutional. Mm -hmm. um, so do, they do have the power to, uh, for lack of better terms, do away with laws that aren't constitutional. That's why it's a big deal who serves on the judicial branch, which is an interesting dynamic. Um, we have... Uh, we have individuals serving in the judicial branch who have come from presidents from far and, and, and uh, from many years ago. In fact, uh, many political science uh, experts believe that one of the greatest roles that a president has is to appoint federal judges. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it is these judges that will stand the test of time even when they're gone. Um, and they're in it for a minute. <laughs> they're in it for life. It's a, it's a life Literally. appointment. It's not like know? four years and you're done. It's, right, they're, it's, they're in it for a... life. You know, we, we just look at Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who just passed away, was appointed by uh, Bill Clinton, by President Clinton. Um, she was a champion for women. She just passed away, but they're in it for the oh, long man. haul, you yeah. know, for life. Um, and so that's number one, is getting to know the, uh, the different branches of government, specifically the legislative branch, and knowing who your congressperson is, praying over that, and, yeah, and, and, and looking towards who do we want to vote for. Number two, why should we vote? What is the importance of, of voting? Um, you know, we have a civic duty yeah, uh, to, to our country. We have a civic duty to yeah. exercise the rights that we were given by individuals who fought for the rights that we have, fought yes. and died for it. There's many countries that don't have the gift of democracy the way we have it, where uh, where they do get an opportunity to vote. So we have that opportunity to vote, and we shouldn't squander it. Mm -hmm. um, it is our civic duty to uh, to cast a, a vote. You know, I, yes, I've spoken to um, Christians or just people who don't agree with any of the candidates. So they say, you know, I'm not going to vote. I'm just going to move away. But again, I go back to Jesus stating that we, although we live in the world, we are not of it, but we live in it. Yeah. Um, and so there was a sect during Jesus' time called the Essenes. Um, what the Essenes were, they were a Jewish sect that um, they saw how corrupt and messed up the world was, which we look at the world today and we can think the same thing. Like, wow, yeah. the United States is just corrupt. You know, and so what they decided to do is because the world was so corrupt, what they wanted to do was detach themselves from society, from culture, from the world, and create their pseudo world out in the wilderness somewhere, completely detached. Now, that isn't the right approach because we have a responsibility uh, to be a voice here in, in the world, in the culture today. So to think that our voice doesn't matter or that our vote doesn't count because it's just one 
it goes against that parable that Jesus spoke of that he had, there was a shepherd that had a hundred sheep and one of them got lost and he left the 99 to go find that one. What that points to is that even if we feel insignificant because we're just one, to Christ we matter. Come on. And our voice matters and what we have to say matters, especially in in an election that it it is going to be a close election. Mm -hmm. So every vote is going to matter. Every vote is vote is going to count Um, so we have a civic responsibility but I also believe that we have a responsibility as a body of Christ not necessarily to be engaged in politics but be informed in it and speak towards it and uh, so it is essential that we use our power now now the Bible doesn't tell us that we should vote that it's a sin not to vote Mm -hmm. Uh, Romans chapter 13 verse 1 says that at the end of the day, paraphrasing here, at the end of the day, God is sovereign and whoever serving in administration, it was God who appointed them. And we have a responsibility right. to support them and pray for um, them. And yeah. pray for them. Uh, but we also have a responsibility to use the voice that was given to us uh, by many who fought and died for the freedoms that we have and mm-hmm. the rights, not just mm-hmm. the freedoms, but the rights. That it's a right to be able to vote. So the scenes are kind of like, do you remember Night Shyamalan's Yes, I do. Movie, yeah, the village. The village. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So we don't, we're not living in the village. Right, so we need not. to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, 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 we need to activate. Exactly. Although it could be scary, but yeah. we do need to activate. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Activate our voice. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. How would you, what are like some simple, like in praying for our leaders, what are some things that we should pray? How ought we pray for? Teach us how to pray. (laughs) Teach us how to pray, (laughs) Rabbi. (laughs) Teach us how to pray, Lord. Yes. Um, Yeah, I I think it boils down to, you know, when we look at uh, the history, even in biblical times, of the most righteous leaders that we've had. We think about David, right? Mm -hmm. King David, the most righteous king and the best leader that Israel ever had. But we also think of his son, Solomon. Um, And we think of Solomon and um, it's almost like, the movie Aladdin, you know, where you have a lamp and you can ask whatever you want of this genie and he will grant it to you. Uh, well, Solomon came to a point where um, he had that opportunity to, yo, ask whatever you want and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to do that for you. Um, and what did Solomon ask for? He asked for wisdom, wisdom, you know, because wisdom is our ability to apply the knowledge that we have. Um, so when we pray for our leaders, I think the main thing that we should be praying for is that God will grant them wisdom. God would grant them wisdom even beyond uh, character flaws that we may see, personality dislikes that we may not track with, um, or even policy that mm-hmm. we don't agree with, our prayer should constantly be that God would grant them wisdom uh, to carry forth the knowledge that they have. Um, Romans 13.1 also tells us that it's God who sways the heart of the king, of the, right. king, of the leader. And, right. and so um, there could be a leader that, and, and I'm not specifically speaking of um, our administration now, but you know you can take it however you want there, there could be leaders that are corrupt and and just making horrible decisions but at the end of the day it is god who has the power to sway the heart of the king mm-hmm. and so our prayer should be that our our leaders that are those in, in government and in office that they would have wisdom that yeah. they would have you know it's very difficult for us to pray for them to stay out of controversy or to stay out of uh, scandal or you know even for their personality traits I and mean, that's a very difficult prayer because those things are very hard to change, but we do serve a God that can change or sway the heart of a king. So we should constantly be praying that they would have wisdom in the decision-making process that will affect not just us, uh, but generations. Again, thanks, Joe, because you are uh, really imparting a lot of wisdom, specifically, you know, questions, questions that many 
perhaps are asking themselves or asking trusted people. And that's that's something that I did want to highlight, too, in referencing, like, coming up on this um, on Election Day and if you voted already. But, you know, ask the questions and ask the questions to the people um, who bear the fruit, who bear fruit of, of knowing, uh, being knowledgeable, people that you love, people that you respect, people that you honor and that they, you know, um, their lives demonstrate one of, um, of, of good fruit. So as we ask the questions, you know, we know for me, one of, one of the reasons why I believe that this is such a controversial, controversial topic is because I don't think that believers are talking about it enough. It's very taboo and it's very like, don't, don't tell me who you're voting for. It's like politics, you know, politics, it, it becomes the, you know, like that, that one thing that we don't talk about. And unfortunately, because it's been so tense and, and for me as a believer, I, I, I believed and I feel this urgency within my heart to engage in the conversation. It doesn't mean that we have to lean one way or the other. It doesn't mean that I'm going to get you to believe what I believe or that you're going to convince me to believe what you believe, but rather how can we merge the two and, you know, be vigilant and, and, and mindful and, and, and activate wisdom and, and just pray for the overall, um, uh, the overall message, um, in, in whom we're voting into office, but but to have a conversation about it. And I think that one of the things that has turned me off has been um, Christians not talking about it. Christians not talking about it because it's the thing that we don't talk about. It's kind of mm-hmm. like that gray area, you know? Not too many people volunteer talking about homosexuality or they don't, not too many people volunteer speaking on um, abortion or, you know, the, of course, there's, there's a lot of people, there's, there's no black, there's no white. I mean, there's no gray, it's black and white. And there's a lot of just conversation that we're not having and I think that it's too important of a topic to not talk about and it is it really is the elephant of in the room and and I'm guilty of this I've been guilty of it of it being so personal to me that it's like like I don't want to talk about this or I just or I'm just losing you know my gasket which isn't the right thing to do but I understand that you know not only are we living in some very dark times but we also got to understand that it is we are living and we're fighting it's a spiritual warfare you know and when we know we also understand end times whatever that's another conversation to be at at another time but um Christians are not talking about it enough and as much as I vote Jesus Jesus for president all day I don't think that that's enough for someone like me who's looking for the wisdom that I need to fully be confident when I'm walking into the polls. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, I really appreciate what you're saying, you know, because conversation specifically around this topic, you know, specifically around this um, presidential election, conversation tends to become controversy and dialogue tends to become debate, you know, and where we, we're not having the conversations that are healthy conversations um, just to to see where we're at, not just as brothers and sisters, but but as humans. Um, yeah, and if we do talk, I, I, I've noticed some people, uh, they'll just resort to ambiguity, you know, mm-hmm. by posting stuff like Jesus for president or things like that, which 
Jesus is not on the ballot. And if he was, we would all be voting for him. <laughs> Amen. But he's not Praise on the Lord. ballot. And we, it, what we have to understand is that God is sovereign. And at the end of the day, um, he is the one that is in control of everything. But he is, Jesus is not on the ballot right now. So what does that mean? How are we going to... How are we going to exercise our vote and how are we going to, how are we going to have conversations with it? One of the reasons that we tend to shy away from conversation is because we want to stay away from argument. You know, right. we don't want to argue with people and we, want, we don't want to exert energy to trying to prove how we're right or they're wrong or trying to prove areas where they may have blind spots or have them expose areas in our lives. So we try to stay away uh, from that type of confrontation. But I think another reason we don't have the conversations is because many people aren't really informed. They're not really informed on the issues enough to be able to have a healthy, informed conversation with other individuals. And when it comes to being informed, we fall into two categories. I've, I've, uh, I've had conversations with people that they're not speaking out of information, they're speaking out of ignorance. And I don't say that as, a, as an offensive, insulting uh, accusation, but rather they're speaking from what they don't know. They're speaking from uh, perhaps what the media has uh, tried to lead them, uh, has tried to persuade them to believe, or, or what their political party is, is teaching or preaching or speaking. Um, so rather than speaking from information, they're, they're speaking from ignorance. But we do have a responsi- responsibility to have a conversation about it because we have a responsibility not only to speak on what we're for, but also speak on what we're against. Mm-hmm. And when we think about the candidates that are running uh, right now for president, you know, um, someone said that um, unless Jesus is running for president, we will be voting for the lesser of two evils. Uh, because both candidates, uh, they have flaws and they have imperfections. So the best thing we can do is identify which candidate has the least flaws, which candidate demonstrates uh, more, of, uh, more of a posture towards the Jesus way. Um, and I will be transparent in saying I, I, have, no, I have no qualms in speaking on uh, which way I'm gravitating toward, toward in this presidential election because I'm not a Republican nor am I a Democrat. I am a, a person who tries to vote in light of what I see the Jesus way being. And I, in this presidential election, I am going to be voting Democrat. I am going to be voting for Joe Biden, um, not because I am for Joe Biden or not because I support I am, and I am pro everything uh, that he, all his policies, but because I assess uh, the current president in light of what scripture teaches um, in, in, in the sense of how, to, how we live our lives. And, you know, what happens as, as believers is that um, we vote towards the candidate uh, that will establish policies that we, we interpret as the biblical way of policy. You know, and what we tend to forget is that when it comes to following Jesus, uh, there's more than we elevate some what we would refer to as sin. We elevate some more than others. And so right now the hot topic issue is, um, is the candidate pro-life? Um, does he uh, honor the sanctity of a family, which is the structure of man and woman? Uh, how, how is he within the LGBTQ community? And so those are like the hot button issues that we sort of like delete all the other mandates that Jesus spoke of. And we focus on pro-life and uh, homosexuality, homosexual okay. marriages, and we vote that that way, which in and of itself, I, I don't blame individuals, Christians, for looking at those two, uh, those two items as essential ones because they are. But Jesus and the Bible has just as much to say about how we treat the foreigner, the immigrant, mm-hmm. 
the stranger, um, how we treat the poor, uh, the oppressed, uh, the culturally ostracized. The Bible has just as much to say about that than it does about uh, pro-life, being pro-life and being and guarding the sanctity of marriage, which I am not saying that I am against, but I am looking at the big picture. Um, what are the policies of that? Can you insert why, when you talk about the immigrant, why that's such an important topic for you? Yeah. Um, Jesus said that what you did for the least of these, mm-hmm. you did it as if you're doing it unto me. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, the least of these would be the ones who was disenfranchised, who didn't have, um, that was looking at what we could call today, um, looking for, um, what's the word that I'm uh, when they're fleeing a country okay. where, where they were in they, refugees mm-hmm. uh, seeking asylum. Um, seeking asylum, you know, the least of these could be viewed as those who are seeking asylum now uh, because those were the ones that were being persecuted. Those were the ones that were being uh, put off on the margins and where society where they were in danger within society uh, because of the minority that they fell under. Um, so when Jesus talked about the least of these, he was referring to those whom society is really not watching over. You know, I come from a family of immigrants. Um, I have several immigrants, uh, se- several family members who entered the country um, as immigrants or who are living here, what would be viewed as illegally. Um, so it's close to home for me, like our, our perspective and our policies towards immigration. Uh, so I compare the policy of pro-life, which I am definitely pro-life. I believe that life matters, especially mm-hmm. at the womb. It's, it's to be guarded, it's to be protected. But what about just recently what we heard that over 500 kids, children, their mm-hmm. parents cannot be found? Yes. What about those? And the question we need to answer is who implemented that policy, mm-hmm. which is a policy that is close to my heart. So although I, I, I do evaluate and assess uh, the sanctity of life and, and, and pro-life issue, um, I also am pro-life after the womb. You know, it's what some call from womb to tomb. I'm just not looking at how is, how is life treated in the womb, which we should, yes. but I'm also looking at how is life treated outside of the womb? How are we treating uh, the immigrants? Um, are we offering asylum? Are we opening our doors in, in a rightful way? Because yes, I, I do sure. believe in, um, in, in, in security and in, in securing our borders and we, we don't want... And uh, legally. Right, doing it the, the doing legal things. way, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I have uh, relatives who went about it the right way and who entered illegally but went about it the right way. But are we giving them a fair shot? Mm-hmm. Are we giving them a fair opportunity to enter our country legally and enjoy a lot of the rights that we get to enjoy ourselves. So that's that's what I look at. And that's what I, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. But I am looking at all of their policies. Mm-hmm. I am. I'm not just. I'm not just focusing on the two that are very important. But I also believe the others are important. Like, what do we do with the climate? You know, we have a cultural mandate we have a to cultural care for mandate. the earth. That we have been entrusted with and we've not done a good job with it. Romans tells us that we are in the ministry of reconciliation um, of all things. Mm -hmm. So we do have a role to play um, and we should have a voice in what we do with the climate. So I look at the candidates and what is their policy on climate change? Do they even believe it to be climate change or do they chalk it up to being a hoax? Mm -hmm. Um, So I assess that, I evaluate that. And I know that there's so much more that that we can look at, Mm -hmm. but I look at things, I look at all of them, all of the policies 
And it's like I said earlier, I, I weigh the options. And it's not, sometimes we should be voting who is the best candidate, that's a good approach. But sometimes we have to look at which, the, which of the two is the lesser evil. Right. Um, and so that is my approach w- with uh, why we should be speaking about it. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so this is a great conversation. To close off, what is some advice that you would give to a voter in 2020 and what they should do to vote All before right. they vote? Yeah, yeah, I, I would uh, mention just a couple of things that we, we should weigh when we go in to cast our ballot to vote. Um, the first thing that we should really look at is um, character over charisma. Um, what is the person's character versus their charisma? Because most politicians are very charismatic, and sometimes we fall victim to the charisma that the candidate has that we, uh, for lack of better terms, sell our soul towards their charisma rather than looking at their character. Mm-hmm. And when I say character, I'm not necessarily referring to their personality because our personalities is what makes us who we are. There's some people who are extroverts, some who are introverts. That's just their personality. When I talk about character, I, I talk about things like integrity, uh, like truthfulness, um, honesty. Um, can this person's character be trusted? Um, can we believe what they have to say? Um, are, are they bullies? Uh, do they bully their way uh, so, so that their way can be had? Um, so looking at their character and, and, and really um, using the lens of uh, Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit, it doesn't say that we're going to check them all off, but which candidate demonstrates more self-control? Which candidate demonstrates more patience? Because whether we like it or not, their character matters. Mm-hmm. Their character matters. So looking at character over charisma, number two, I would say, um, look at policy over party. You know, what is, let, let's really get informed. What are the policies that this candidate is, is promoting and, and wants to bring um, into our office? You know, so looking at the policy um, over party. And that means that at times we will have to assess whatever, whatever political party we identify with and really think like, regardless if they're Republican or Democrats, do I track with this policy? Mm-hmm. Is this a policy that I can, um, I can really track with? And then I'd say probably the, the last thing I would uh, look at um, that I would assess when going to cast my vote um, is voting faith over fear. You know, faith over fear. Uh, we live in very uh, scary times. You know, we live in times that are unprecedented um, and they could cause fear in us and almost like a panic. I mean, I know people who are, are so afraid over what's happening with uh, the cor- coronavirus. Rightfully so. We should be concerned um, and just overly afraid and fearful of the cultural tensions and the culture wars and even afraid of, of who's going to win the election. And they vote um, with, with fear over faith, but we should be exercising our faith over fear and faith knowing that, hey, at the end of the day, God is sovereign and he will, his candidate yes. will be the one that will be in mm-hmm. office. Yes. So we can approach the throne, as, as Hebrews says, you approach the throne confidently, you know, approach the throne of grace confidently. We should cast our vote confidently, knowing that, yes, we do have a, a certain uh, inclination towards a candidate. Uh, but not being fearful that our candidate will lose, but rather being full of faith yeah. uh, that God will place whatever candidate he wants on there. We do have a voice. We do have a say. Um, so look at character over charisma. Uh, look at policy over party um, and go faith over fear. That's what I would suggest. I love Thank that. You. That's great. That was that was that was pretty on point. You know, you mentioning God is sovereign and However way um, 
the dice fall. That's probably horrible, right? Because it's all this is all sovereign, right? <laughs> I'm saying like however the but the point is that God is sovereign and whomever is in office, he allowed for it to be that way. And so that should alleviate any believer to have peace in knowing that his will is gonna is gonna um win outside of any other right. fear or a yeah. thing that we might we might tug a war with. Right. So um you know, thank you so much for being here with us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. Yes, like it's it's been a while. The pandemic had us on on a standstill, <laughs> and we are celebrating our one year anniversary here in this podcast. And we do believe that that as 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 an open table to create a community and conversation, and really talk about the things that perhaps we're not talking enough about, but really highlight and point back to the to that one phrase that is the the make of our podcast, the Imago Day. We want to emulate um, as we know that we are image bearers of Christ. And we love, love unconditionally, um, love despite who you're voting for. Who you're voting for. <laughs> love despite uh, what differences we might have. I mean, there's so many more topics that we do want to talk about. Um, so many things that we experienced over the summer, like Black Lives Matter. That was a very important important, and, and continues to be a very important um, topic that, um, that as a church, we should continue to have conversation about and uh, really just love one another. At the end of the day, we're called to love. That's what the scripture tells us and teaches us and what we need to stay committed to, despite who we're voting for, despite how we believe, despite what we're leaning towards, but trusting and that in and of itself being the faith that we have in Christ, that his will will be done and that whomever is in office, regardless, it is our mandate to pray for our government officials. It is our mandate to pray and to pray um, that his will and his sovereign will be continuously done through whomever we have in office. That's, that's very important. So um, as Project 214ers, uh, you being the president of the nonprofit that we have, um, thank you so much for not just being a voice for us in um our faith community, but also, you know, a doer. Like it's it's one thing to, to know the word, but it's an, another thing to actually do and act out the word. And us here at Project Two Fourteen, we do that. And I get to work alongside you and and Sophia and and Sharice, Jamie are an amazing team that we have here. So thank just being that, being Project Two Fourteen, and and just giving of your time here today with us. So we really yeah. appreciate yeah. you. My pleasure. Appreciate thank your you time for having here. Me. This is great what you're doing, and uh, props to you. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you. Hey there, friends. We just wanted to say thank you one last time for joining us here at the Imago Day. We know that as a community, at times it can be hard to sit at the table and have conversations. But it's these kinds of conversations that our heart's desire is to draw us back to the one who is the creator and maker of all things. The ones that we desire to be image bearers of. So again, Thank you for the conversation. Thank you for being here with us. And a very special thank you to Pastor Joel Gonzalez, who joined us as our first guest on season two. Thank you so much for being here with us. And please do not forget to follow him. He can be reached at We Are Story. That is we, our as an O-U-R story. Also, check out his website. He's an amazing photographer, a beautiful storyteller, and we're thankful for his contribution to the world and to us, our community. Friends, please be sure to like, follow, subscribe. 
We are truly excited to do this and get to do this together with you. It is our desire to create community. And so if you have any questions or anything that you might want to reach out to us about, we can also be reached at monicaproject214.net, my email address. Again, that's monica at project214.net. Thank you so much, friends. Until the next one.